Hi folks, Glossy here from the Lost Art Podcasting. Just before we begin, I just want to say a quick thank you to both uh, Esme Patterson and Frank Turner for taking the time out of the interviews, as well as uh, Anthea from Extra Mile Recordings for uh, giving me the opportunity and also allowing me to interview both artists. Uh, so yeah, please enjoy them both. Thank you very much. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. <laughs> Hello, welcome once again to Lost Art of Podcasting. I'm here with a very special guest today. He is a man who said life is about love, lost minutes, and lost evenings. No, I said that wrong, but fuck it, we'll carry on. <laughs> hey man, it's about the interpretation. Uh, he also said that uh, rock stars are just mute people, really. Yeah, I think. Well, I don't really believe in the word rock star. I'm tripping over my own words now. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> I'm starstruck a bit. No, um, I'm here no, with the man, the legend, that is Frank Turner. Hello. Um, good to have you here Frank thanks for yeah, doing this so thank you for having me not a problem uh, you kind of talked of touring positive songs for negative people your latest album but you're also on the, sort of the Get Better tour yeah I mean well it's sort of I mean arguably the same thing in the sense that the song's <laughs> off that record or whatever but we've got also when, when's this podcast being released um, this week sometime. if it's if you <laughs> can not release it till Friday I can tell you what's happening on yeah, Friday sure. but basically there's a film has been made about me um, by oh, my friend Ben he made a documentary about the making of uh, positive songs and the film's called Get Better so we're sort of like talking about that as well we're going to have a big um, sort of cinema launch for that as well and everything, cool. so. uh, but yeah I mean it, we, we are in broad strokes you know we're still on the positive songs touring cycle the record came out in August and we sort of decided to do two years on the road when me, we being me and the band and, and my team if you like we decided we'd do two years on the road and we're now 18 months in so we've got about six months to go um, and uh, you know it's it's been fun the, the road keeps going it's good to be back in Dublin awesome uh, you've had a year of milestones this year <laughs> you've had nine years of sleepers for the week. Yeah, you've had ten consecutive year appearances at Leeds and Reading. Yeah, you did your thousand performance with the Sleeping Souls. Yeah, and you've come up to your two thousand show in Nottingham. Yes, plus your appearance on the last Art podcasting. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's okay. This is an interesting thing that you raise there because I mean, the th- on the one hand, you know, I, I have been a bit sort of like OCD about um, statistics in my career. I keep my show count and all that kind of thing. The Sleeping Souls show count was actually I was not aware that that was the case until they told me like on the day they were like, "Hey, it's a thousand show," and I was like, "Fuck, okay." <laughs> um, but like, um, I, yeah. So that which is fun and it's cool. The, as far as the sort of anniversary thing goes, it's funny, like because we're about over the next two or three years, we're going to have a lot of decade anniversaries for stuff. First album, second album, third album, wow. blah, blah blah blah, and and um, that's fun. And we might do a couple of shows here and there to commemorate that. But I sort of don't quite want to turn into a heritage industry just yeah. yet. Do you know what I mean? Because <laughs> it's like I'm working on a new record right now, and oh. and uh, I'd like to sort of concentrate on that, please. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Sure. So it's sort of <laughs> it's one of those things where it's like. Um, it's a mixed blessing in some ways. I mean, it's fucking cool that I'm still doing this ten years later. Most bands, uh, ten years after their debut record, have, have long gone. Do yeah. you know what I mean? And it's nice to still be around. Is there any sort of plans, maybe like a Sleepy for the Week tour, maybe? Or is it but, be... Well, there, there are some plans afoot, about which I can say very little at the moment. Um, but um, there, there are some plans. It's not a tour, but there's something happening. 
<laughs> he said cryptic things. But yeah, there's stuff happening. Cool. Well, we'll leave it there. <laughs> but there you are. You heard it here first, folks. Um, so I first saw you at Sonic's Fair 2014. Yeah. Uh, my friend Joe recommended you because I was sort of a red Francis in the Sleeping Souls expecting the guy in a tuxedo. Right. For some reason, I don't know why. Well, that, but that might be coming. I mean, I'm, I'm a fan of a tux, you know what I mean? Maybe one day. Um, but I sort of well, I watched your video for recovery, and from there I've just been hooked. Oh, cool. It's Thank been you. A brilliant. That, that, sort of. that was the year we played next to Maiden, right? Uh, or, yes. Yeah, yeah, that was a big one for me. <laughs> I mean, I've got the tattoo on my leg. That's my first love, Zion Maiden, and like, yeah, play, we were on right before them. And like all their shit was backstage, you know what I mean? With yeah. like tarpaulins over it and stuff. I was wandering around going, fuck! It's amazing. But yeah, it's good. Cool. Um, from reading, sort of doing a bit of research about you, you signed Johnny Cash and Influence recently in the American albums. Yeah. Are there any sort of plans for like similar material or covers, sort of similar to Johnny Cash? Uh, well, I mean, uh, I hesitate to say similar to Johnny Cash in an easy way because that's, a, that's quite a a target to aim for should we say Um, but yeah I mean it's I don't know I mean part of the reason I actually been mentioning that is funny like um, press releases and Wikipedia uh, mean that you get a lot of people talk about the same stuff and like everyone (laughs) for years everyone's been going on and on about how Nebraska's the record that changed my music career and that's not strictly true I mean it was one of a number do you know what I mean Um, but I would say that more important than Nebraska was the American recording series by Johnny Cash and I just recently thought oh for fuck's sake I'm just going to start talking about that (laughs) instead Um, but um, yeah I just you know I was I grew up with punk and hardcore and and, and then hearing that kind of stuff was really eye-opening for me because it's heavy yeah. But it's not heavy because the lead singer's got shaved head and no shirt on and he's screaming. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Um, I mean, I sort of, I constantly toy with the idea of doing a solo acoustic record. It's funny, a lot of people kind of go, oh, I wish you'd do a solo acoustic record like you used to. And I turn around and go, my first album's got full band all over it. What yeah. are you talking about? <laughs> but it's, I think it's because I used to tour just right. on my own. And yeah. I do, you know, there's something to a solo show which is fun. But in the final analysis, I love Sleeping Souls, my band, they're fucking great. Um, and you know that's sort of how it is for the time yeah. being cool um, so you're taking Christmas off then yes I looked and you're pretty much touring right through half of the year next year yeah I mean we um, are basically um, we are going to be touring until sort of the end of the summer next year and then then oh, well I might be working on the record here and there in terms of recording it I've been writing yeah. um, but you know I, it's it's funny like um there are always we used to tour in this way I was in a sort of arms race about touring with myself about trying to tour more than any human had ever toured before and it was kind of pointless because it was killing me and nobody else was competing yeah. do you know what I mean <laughs> um, and like these days we've got much better at taking a week or two weeks off between tours um, and uh, <clears throat> like it's funny because people don't necessarily notice that sometimes we go oh my god you've been on tour constantly this year and it's like I've just had two weeks off Yeah. and actually two weeks off is quite a long time off <laughs> I mean people who work office jobs don't get two weeks off in between fucking projects or some shit you know what I mean I, I did notice your Instagram went quiet I think you were sort yeah. of taking two weeks off here's some books I've read that was, a, that was a good two weeks yeah I mean well part of it as well is just that like I, I kind of that was the other thing about it and I'm trying to talk about this in the best way I can I, I essentially didn't really have much in the way of a personal life when I was touring like a complete maniac I didn't live yeah. anywhere wasn't attached to anyone or anything I've got a house and I've got a, a personal life to go home to these days and I'm quite strict about drawing lines between public and personal but yeah. I, I've got a girlfriend to go home to and she's amazing yeah. but like I don't want to be Instagramming pictures of me and her living yeah, civilian lives do you know what I mean yeah, yeah. it's just like not least <laughs> because there are some weird fucking people out there who get 
full on about that kind of thing. But but you know, so so as I get older, I'm slowing down a little bit, <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, you're still probably one of the hardest working men in show business. I'm afraid, <laughs> to be fair, well, I've got nothing. The thing is, no one's ever going to have a the pe- whenever people talk about because I grew up thinking Black Flag was the hardest working man ever. Yeah, and then you sort of look at some of the jobbing rock and roll bands from the 60s and 70s, and you go, oh right, okay. Then the the people who've got the fucking record who are never going to be beat are the bluesmen. Right. You look at people like Muddy Waters and John Lee Hooker and people like that. Those guys did like three, four shows a day, yeah. 360 days a year for four fucking decades. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like none of us are ever <laughs> going to come anywhere close to the amount of work those guys did. And, and, and therefore, there's no point in sort of making a competition, you know what I mean? You might as well just go, okay, fine, fuck yeah. it, you've got it. So... <laughs> So, sort of sticking with touring, do you sort of, obviously you're going to like be right on the road and stuff, are you ever sort of playing around with chords and you just want to sort of jump in a studio as in, as in where you are and uh, sort of... Yeah, I mean, I, I, I write on the road definitely, but I mean, there's quite, I, and I'll demo stuff on the road, I've got like a little mic and a, you know, a laptop yeah. in the programme, I can just do vocal and guitar oh, thing. Oh, cool. And, and, put some, and occasionally I'll even do it into like GarageBand and, and GarageBand, GarageBand, fuck it. And, and you know, put, <laughs> a, bit of, it's put a sort of crappy drum machine <laughs> on it to sort of demonstrate, I mean, demo, demonstrate how I feel the song should be. But the, the actual kind of like proper sort of studio recording for me usually is something that then sort of stands apart from that, you know, where you yeah. sort of sit down and really thrash out your arrangements and, and all that kind of thing. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm constantly, like quite a lot of, an awful lot of my songs started off in sound checks yeah. with me just pissing about <laughs> with something and then kind of going, ooh, ah, <laughs> you know, or at least the music does, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. um, I always think this, uh, the song If Ever I Stray started off as me just pissing about with a G chord in sound check in... Yeah. St. Petersburg, Florida wow. and by the end of Soundcheck I was like fuck everyone shut up <laughs> find me a pen and paper and a fucking recording device immediately so you know it, yeah. cool um, so sort of Stephen Tory I know you've got like a, back, back, a lot of back problems you've always had over the yeah. years um, so how do you find touring with that well I mean touring what, what caused it yeah I have back problems myself oh okay what, what have you got uh, it's my lower back really it's from, okay. from judo judo injury uh, oh really is it, is it a disc issue or is I'm it I'm not sure yet I think right. it's a mus- muscle issue Right. Okay, you're lucky in that case. <laughs> I mean, I have I, I had my two discs went out of my lower back, but it was caused by a lifetime of jumping off shit and not paying any attention to my body, and just having I think weak and stiff and unstretched muscles and yeah. just it just you know the show that we do is quite athletic and. I hadn't been thinking of myself as an athlete, mm. not least because I really wasn't one at school. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I'm the same. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like so. Um, I've learned. I mean, my back hurts a lot of the time, mm. um, and I have to stretch for forty-five minutes or so before a show every day. Um, I'm supposed to do it even when we're not playing shows, and I'll be honest, I don't always do that because it's so boring. It is, um, but <laughs> yeah, but you got to do it right. I, know. I mean, it's not just my back though. I mean, like I've cracked my shin, I've um, torn ligaments in both my feet, I've knocked uh, teeth out, I nearly cut my finger off once. I've cracked a kneecap once. That fucking hurt ow um, this is over the past 18 years so I've been touring since I was 16 years so it wasn't just one show then no no, no yeah, this is over a series of things and like you just kind of and then and that's me just doing what I do and you look at the guys in like Dillinger Escape Plan or something like that and those yeah. guys have got like serious tour injuries um, so you it sort of comes to the territory do you know what I mean I mean cool. it's funny I, I sort of feel like I like a lot of other people I subscribe to the kind of like 
destructive nihilism of punk rock in my early 20s and when you get into your mid 30s and things then hurt you can't really complain about it because that was sort of what you signed up to back then yeah. do you know what I mean it's like fuck it I don't care I'm just going to throw myself <laughs> to the drum kit Rah! and it's like yeah it fucking hurts now <laughs> um, but that was sort of the deal so what are you going to do yeah um, so I've got a couple of friends my friend Joe because he's mm-hmm. the one who got me into it so thank mm-hmm. you so much Joe because I wouldn't be here today otherwise hello Joe, Joe. <laughs> um, he first asked how did you feel transitioning from small venue tours to a big arena tours well I mean the thing about that is like the first thing to say about that is that like that's not actually happened everywhere in the world you know in, in the UK we do big shows in some parts of America we do big shows in, some, in Germany yeah. we do big shows but like you know when I tour like Eastern Europe we're playing 400 cap clubs do you know what I mean yeah. I mean tonight, this is the biggest show we've ever done in Dublin Wow, cool. um, you know, which is really exciting. I'm very yeah. excited about that. That's cool. I. <laughs> but uh, but do you know what I mean? It's like so things things um, things. It's not like I'm universally at one level worldwide, which is actually really cool for me because it means that things change up over a period of one year for me. Do you yeah. know what I mean? I'm not just going around doing the same type of venue ever in the world, which is cool. Um, but I mean, you know, playing the bigger rooms is a funny thing because you don't get masses in the way of a trial run for it. I mean, you generally, you know, you'll do some support tours where you get go, but it's like. Yeah. You slightly get thrown into the deep end of headline big rooms. Right. Uh, I mean, you get a lot of chances to headline a small room because you just do. Do you know what yeah. I mean? You just can. You can do it over and over again. Uh, but it's like fuck. Okay, like I remember when we were headlining Brixton in London for the first time. It was like shit. There's four thousand people coming tonight. Like, <laughs> how do I do this? Uh, but I mean, I spent a lot of time, you know, watching Springsteen DVDs, <laughs> shit like that. And uh, there is one of the things <laughs> I wish that more people talked about, and I wish I knew when I was starting out more readily, is that. You know, people know that songwriting is different from musicianship, mm-hmm. but there's a third leg to the stool, which is performance and stagecraft, and that oh, is really? a separate skill. And it's possible to be good at any one of the three yeah. without necessarily being any good at the others, or two, or whatever. And obviously, the Holy Grail is trying to do all three, but like to command the stage and an audience in a room is a skill that is separate from being able to play or indeed able to write songs. Um, I like to think I've got all right at it over the years, not really yeah. for me to judge, but. Um, <laughs> You can tell me after the show tonight, <laughs> but like, yeah, you know, you try and uh, it, and it's it's quite difficult to talk about because no one's ever really sort of like tried to describe it. But it's about sort of confidence, I suppose, to a degree. It's about ownership, but it's about shortening distance. It's about looking at the person in the back row and trying to make them them feel like you're singing at them too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, to think about all that kind of stuff. Wow. Um, Sorry, that was a long <laughs> Joe also asks um, how did you get to work with CM Punk in your video for the next film um, through a friend of a friend um, there's a guy my buddy Ryan plays the man called Off With Their Heads a punk man oh. from Minneapolis and he is friends with, with Punk or Phil as his name actually is <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah he, we, we had this whole thing about um, a sort of wrestling themed video um, and the guy that we were originally talking to about it sort of it didn't pan out and then we were like well Ryan knows that CM Punk guy and then we got in touch and he was a fan wow. and a lovely guy and then it came together cool so there you are Joe <laughs> thank you very much hopefully Joe your questions have been answered <laughs> Phil's a lovely guy though really really like terrifyingly physically intimidating <laughs> do you know what I mean and like I've never been successfully in a fight in my fucking life do you know what I mean and then this hench motherfucker takes his top off and it was like oh my god he's gonna kill me but he didn't he was very nice Awesome. Well, um, find Frank on social media, on Facebook, Twitter, yes. Instagram. Yeah, I mean, it's all generally at Frank Turner for the most part. Do you know what I mean? There's yeah. websites you can use Google. I'm out there. <laughs> I'm around. Um, 
pouring bullshit into my Twitter. My <laughs> girlfriend got really annoyed with me the other day because I used Twitter to try and ascertain what type of light bulb I needed to replace one. That's fine, I do that. I thought it was a good use of crowdsourcing that information, but she thought I was misusing my power. No. So... Power, if you, Google has power? Well, quite, you know, I feel that well, if you know a lot about light bulbs, then you can find me on Twitter and, and educate me. So, yeah, uh, catch Frank on tour across the UK. Tickets are still available. Uh, but Frank, thank you very much for doing thank this. Thank you. It's lovely to speak to you, man. Uh, it's lovely speaking to you. I've been Coxie, he's been Frank, and you've been listening. Thank you very much. Thank you very much.